everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. In a usual episode, the three of us will individually bring a fic to talk about, but we have back-to-back birthday episodes. This is Nick's birthday episode. So following our 2021 birthday episode format, um, the birthday host picks one longer fic for us to talk about. So Nick, tell us about the fic you brought for your birthday. Oh, I would love to. Yes, I brought a fic that's like 70,000 words, and I'm so glad that I was able to. The fic that I brought is called The River and the Deep Green Bend by Liquid Measure. It is a One Direction RPF Harry slash Nile fic, but it is so much more than that, and we'll get to it later. All right, so before we actually get into the fic discussion, uh, we're going to do a special birthday intro. Uh, Similarly to the one from two weeks ago for me, uh, we did create a special surprise quiz for Nicole. (laughs) I'm so scared. That we will all be taking, and then we will also all be creating uh, concepts for fics that we think Nick should have in their bookmarks. Um, Mm -hmm. These fics don't actually exist, but we wish they did. Not Uh, yet. So that's that's the agenda for today. Yes. Nick, since you didn't know that this quiz existed until about 10 minutes ago, let me, uh-huh. let me drop you a link real quick. Oh, mm-hmm. geez. Okay. All right. So the quiz that Reed and I created a couple days ago um, is called Which of Nick's Favorite Fic Tropes Are You? Uh, it says, we made this quiz with absolutely no planning. Hope you enjoy. XOXO, your co-hosts. Um, that's true. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. Much like um, the quiz for Brenna's birthday episode this is just three questions long um so yeah nick why don't you start us off with the first question and also i think you should pick first because you are the only one who doesn't okay have any idea sort of what the answers are or the results or anything well based on the first question i can guess <laughs> i think all of them we put some signposts in the quiz just a little mm-hmm. okay the first well, question thought, okay in my quiz there is like one question that was very very clearly associated with the answers yeah and there's some whack ones so we tried to kind of follow oh, okay. the same format okay sounds good well the first question reads which themes do you look for in your fan fiction answer one musings on grief reflection and personal growth overcoming what seems like insurmountable hardship option two a fundamental need to protect the one you love Devotion, needlessly th- <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I, what could this trope be? Needlessly <laughs> throwing yourself in harm's way, quiet yearning because of forbidden love. And then option three, soft vibes, renegotiating the dynamics of a relationship, dramatic confessions, slow burn. I'm going to go with the second one, I think. Okay. Oh, nice. I don't know what the answer that that's connected to could be, but that's what I'm going to go for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to guess, I think. Yeah. Bren? Oh, sure. Okay, I can go next. (laughs) I didn't know what shorter we were going to go in. (laughs) Um, Okay, I will go with... um, I'll go with musings on grief, reflection, (laughs) personal growth, overcoming what seems like insurmountable hardship. Great. So I'll go with the soft vibes, etc., etc. Question two is, pick a line of poetry slash song lyric slash collection of words I found on Tumblr. Um, And here are the options. 
Sorry, I have to do this without laughing because sometimes I remember what answer we associated with each oh, like, boy. option. <laughs> okay. It makes it better that way. <laughs> I'm sure. The first one is, it's thinking of love. It's thinking of stabbing us to death and leaving our bodies in a dumpster. Second one is, Jessica has a forehead scar from the deep end of a pool. I ask Jessica what drowning feels like, and she says not everything feels like something else. Third? You have to sing it. No, I won't. I Reed, simply won't. It? No. Reed, for my birthday, can you sing it? Can I confess to you that I've only listened to, like, half of a Mitski song because, like, spiritually I understand why people love her, but the music just does not do it, it for me. <laughs> I have listened to this one before, but, like, I can't emulate that. We used to have nobody on, like, the playlist at work, and that <laughs> playing in the middle of, like, That's an so eight-hour shift was, like, I was like, are you trying to make me have a breakdown? <laughs> like, That's actually hysterical. Yeah, I do know how this one goes, but I will not. Uh, sing it, so instead you get the spoken version of, and I know I've kissed you before, but I didn't do it right. Can I try again, try again, try again? Fourth, I'll take care of you. It's rotten work. Not to me. Not if it's you. <laughs> okay, I'm fine. <clears throat> Fifth, if I loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. And sixth, maybe I'll see you in another life, if this one wasn't enough. So much time on the other side. That sixth one, I think, is the only one I don't recognize. It's a Florence and the Machine lyric. Ah, that's nice. Mm -hmm. So, Nick, please take your pick. I mean, I feel, I feel morally and emotionally obligated to go with It's Rotten Work, just, just for the <laughs> vibes of it all, you know? Yeah, that's valid. Okay, I'm going to go with It's Thinking of Love, It's Thinking of Stabbing Us to Death and Leaving Our Bodies in a Dumpster. Excellent. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um... I don't actually remember what all these relate to. I'm going to go for <laughs> um, not everything feels like something else. I like that one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right. So our third and final question says, pick a fit click blooper with no context. Uh, so these are just titles that we titled bloopers um, that Reader Nick uh, extracted from our episodes. Um, mm -hmm. So here are the titles. <clears throat> Sorry, let me try and get through this. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. Laughing too much. We really started with a hard hitter. Yeah, they're incredible. <laughs> um, all right, so option one, maybe Spelunky will be our always. Option two, the body may die, but Fit Click lasts forever. Option three, fear of intimacy or fear of eyelash. So true. <laughs> option four, this body is a thought machine. Thought spelled T-H-O-T. Option five, well, someone's got to commit this murder. Option six, give me your bones, youth crims. And option seven, do you want to build a weapon? Extended edition. <laughs> what is this body? Is it thought machine? <laughs> it's definitely something you said. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm like 100% sure it's you. <laughs> I don't remember saying it. <laughs> oh my god. Um... I honestly think my favorite of these that... Okay, how many of these did I fucking say? Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, my favorite... I think that I had the most fun saying in the moment was the body may die, but fit click lasts forever. Mm. Just because of how horrified you two were by how morbid it was. <laughs> I realized, like, looking through them, there are so many that are just body horror related. <laughs> well, that well, one was me body accidentally implying... <laughs> A fit click recorded post post mortem, I think. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, if I click posted, postmortem, right? Something like that. Recorded postmortem would be pretty difficult. <laughs> hey, I can do it as a ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah, my favorite trope, ghost AU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's surprise, that's one of the answers. Anyway, Nick, uh, okay, so you picked the, the body may die? Yes. Okay, Bren? Um, I'm going to go with Give Me Your Bones, Youth Crims. Mm, that's a good one. I do like that one. I have got to go with, just because none of us could keep a straight face, Brett had to say this like four times, maybe Spelunky will be our always. Okay, I gave this quiz a five-star rating. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should I read my answer? Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to believe this. Um, my result. Bodyguard AU. Congrats. You got bodyguard AU. Oh, so you crave stability and protection, huh? You've given life a shot, and you've decided that actually it would be better if you had someone bigger and stronger to do all the work for you. Also, you're really into glances from across a room with the weight of your unspoken words sitting between you. I love it. A plus. I'm so glad. <laughs> five out of five. Okay. <clears throat> um, I got major character death. Wow. <laughs> wow. I knew I was going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling too. It reads, congrats. You got, quote, major character death. Oh, buddy. Bud, it's going to be okay. Maybe you just read hard-hitting fic to feel something, and that's valid of you. Here, have a cup of non-caffeinated tea. Jesus, I know it's your answer, but these are all call-outs at me specifically. Well, it is <laughs> they a were you meant to be quiz. <laughs> Literally a you quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, and mine is, you never would have guessed it, childhood friends to lovers. Wow. So it reads... Congrats, you got childhood friends to lovers. The mortifying ordeal of being known, but make it less mortifying, because there's no awkward phase of having to dig into someone's trauma when you've experienced it all by their side. Sometimes you just want your fic to have that storybook ending. And there you have it. <laughs> wow, three excellent tropes. Thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed that. You're welcome. I would like to I'm say so it's fun looking at the stats because it says um, there's technically like one extra bodyguard AU. Um, and that is because oh. when I playtested this, I accidentally picked one from each category. And when I got to the final results page, it told me that I got childhood friends to lovers. But when I went into my Uquiz account and looked at the thing, it said that I got bodyguard AU. So I don't think Uquiz is built for um, no. breaking a tie. No. Or for three question quizzes with three options. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we really found the worst possible <laughs> way to create these. <laughs> and we're not going to stop. Wow. Excellent. I'm glad I got the best one, but all three of them were good. I'm very glad you enjoyed that. Uh, now it's time for the second part of our uh, birthday intros. Yeah. Um, it's creating a fake fic that we think Nick would bookmark or should have in their bookmarks. Do I go first? I forget how this works. I think Brenna um, kicked I off first, first last mine, time. Yeah. So okay. I think, yeah. I'll go first. Is it cheating if I just say a fic that like I really want to exist, but I'm never going to write, but like I really want to read it? No, hey, it's kind of what I did. It is okay. uh, your birthday and your fic that you want to bookmark. You can do whatever you want. Okay, true, true. Thank you. Uh, okay, so uh, Ficklets, if you're in our Discord server, uh, or just in general, if you've seen me online, uh, you might know that recently I have accidentally tripped into a hole, uh, and that hole is called K-Pop Group 17. Uh, like, wow, it. I'm still falling. It's fine. It's really, it's really a lot. It's, it's deep. Uh, but I was thinking a lot about a bodyguard AU and now my brain is just like on this right now. 
<laughs> you brought it back up for me. Reed, don't make that face. Okay. No, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> They're both making faces at me. No, I like was going off in a friend's DMs about the idea of, you know, sometimes you want like a trope to be inverted, but then other times you want it just like exactly as you would expect for it to be. Like, okay, so my, my favorite ship in this fandom is Jung Hun slash Scoops. I really like them both a lot. And I was like, okay, listen, like, I could flip around, like, because it's kind of obvious when you look at them, like, oh, Scoops would probably be the bodyguard. Like, I could flip that, but I don't want to. I want to just do it, like, the most normal way possible. Um, so I think that's what I want, just, like, with a lot of high-stakes drama, but also, like, yearning. Thank you. Can I go next? Because I think, um, much like with Brenna's episode, I have something mm. that I think leads fairly well from what Nick said. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, again, much like last time, I sort of did a thing where, like, Nick has, like, talked about wanting this before, so I sort of, like, took this idea and fleshed it out a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Also, theoretically, I had more time to craft this, but instead I wrote these notes while over-caffeinated. Um, I'm still over-caffeinated. I did this, like, 20 minutes ago. So, wow. get ready. So the fandom is Six of Crows. Ooh. The pairing is Nina and Ezh. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, the tags. Wow. These you'll you'd never believe these. Canon Divergent. Bodyguard AU. Not a heist fic, but there are heist elements. Undercover. Ghosts from everyone's pasts. So here's the sort of like concept I have. Mm -hmm. Um for some very brief context, if you don't know Six of Crows, it's like magic set in like Amsterdam, but not really, like Amsterdam inspired city. Um one of the characters, Nina, is she works in a brothel, basically. She sort of is, like, very high up and has, like, some amount of power. But that's her situation, at least, in Six of Crows. Um, mm. So in this fic, Nina's being sent to, like, a, a gala, maybe? Um, like, a little bit away from Ketterdam. And, uh, like, as a representative for the brothel that she works at. Uh -huh. And she needs security, obviously, to help get her there and, like, make sure she's protected. So how do they pull Inej? Doesn't matter. Inej is going to be her bodyguard. Um, so they're, like, it. traveling to this gala, and, like, along the way, Nina basically tells Inej that, like, she wants to, like, find a way to break free of this, like, brothel that she works at and, like, use this trip maybe as a way to do that. Um, and then when they're at the gala, where obviously Inej is posing as Nina's date, of course, um, they run into some trouble. I'm thinking, like, maybe someone from Nina's past when she was, like, a soldier. Anyway, it forces them to go on the run for a bit, um, and so Inej needs to call upon some help from her past. And she does that in the form of drumroll. <laughs> Minghao, this is now a crossover. <laughs> this is a crossover, baby. Oh Go back to that fandom <laughs> and tag it for 17 as well. Oh, hell yeah. Um, wow. So Minghao's also like an assassin type person. Um, he's got like a complicated past with Inez. She's like not bound to a uh -huh. crew the way that she is. Um you know, she's got some, like, mixed feelings on him, but, like, ultimately she knows that she can trust him. Um, mm -hmm. Also, at some point in this fic, there's absolutely some sort of, like, tense fight where Nina uses her magic to save Inej from, like, a would-be fatal attack. And it's very sexy. And then later <laughs> there's some, like, tender patching up wounds and, like, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, like, this yeah. really intense moment. I love um, it. You get to, like, watch all this progression of, like, Nina starts out being, like, very, like, flirty and coy. And then, like, the longer that they've been together, um, she's sort of, like breaks down the facade into something more real and honest. Mm -hmm, and Inej, mm -hmm. like, works to sort of loosen the tight grip she has on her own emotions. Um, obviously, they manage to deal with, like, whatever the immediate threats are. And then the fic ends with the implication that there's a chance for them to build something good 
and true and for themselves. And that's my fic for you. Wow. I hate that's that so- I'm going after that because that was so that was like a really full good. Concept. That was so much better than mine for myself. <laughs> oh my god, Reed, you wow. set me up for failure. I'm obsessed with that. That's extremely good. Wow. Thank you. Brenna, um, I'm so sorry. Nick, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh god. Okay. See, here's the thing. I had like a lot of ideas, but I was like, okay, are these like too obvious? I think a lot of them were. Um, I really like wanted to come up with something that I thought would be like the equivalent of like a really niche uh Yuletide fic. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't know like what tiny fandom Nick might like click on or bookmark. <laughs> Um, that, like, I, because it, it had to sort of be something I wasn't familiar with, but then if I'm not familiar yeah, with it, it's hard to for it. So I ran into a wall there. Um, so this is kind of inspired by a quiz, uh, Nick made at one point, but, okay, this is my concept. Um, it's a BTS fic. Oh, okay. It's, um, it's canon compliant, like, it's fully canon compliant, but it's also a heist fic. Ah, uh, um, yes. <laughs> I'm still workshopping, like, what? what they're stealing i feel like okay here's my concept okay. like bang pd has like gotten himself into trouble somehow oh, no. like maybe he <laughs> maybe maybe like in early bts debut years he like uh-huh. kind of took out a loan from oh. like the wrong people or uh-huh. like you know invested in the wrong ways he did something kind of shady to like make sure okay. that his company stayed afloat and it's like coming back to haunt him years later um and bts have to like rectify the situation but like in in no way have they been trained or prepared for this. Like, I want to emphasize how much <laughs> they're just BTS. Is, how much they are just BTS. Like as we know them, those are the only skills they have. Yeah, um, yeah I think that would be good. Uh, I came up with this concept like ten minutes ago, so it's not very fully developed. We've but, been recording um, for twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Okay. Well, because like at first I was thinking. Like, a Darker Shades of Magic heist ah, AU. Mm. Um, Into that. But then I was like, I don't know. And then when Reed was talking about their fic, I was like, ah, I feel like this is going to be too similar. Mm. So then I was like, okay, I want to go with my backup whack <laughs> idea. <laughs> like, two for the price of one. Also, I think it would be, it would be like many, it would be like one of those like 30 chapter fics. Yeah. Like 150K. Yeah. Updates like every couple weeks. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the vibe I want for this. I would love that. Wow. Excellent work, everyone. I really enjoyed that. Happy birthday. Here are some fics you'd love to read and will probably never get. Speaking of fics that you may or may not be able to find in my bookmarks, let's talk about a fic that I insisted was in mine that Reed later couldn't find. <laughs> so my fic for this episode is called The River and the Deep Green Bend by Liquid Measure. It is a One Direction RPF fic. The pairing is Harry slash Niall. Also, I feel like at its heart, it's an OT5 gen fic. So just know that all you OT4ers out there, uh, you might not love this one as much, but I think you should read. Well, there's a lot of OT4 to be fair. Anyway, (laughs) I I love this fic so much. I first read it, I believe when it came out, 
Um, it came out on February 16th, 2016. I bookmarked it on the 20th. So very, very immediately. This is an author I already liked. It was written for the One Direction Big Bang Round 4, which if you were ever in 1D fandom, you will know the One Direction Big Bang was kind of legendary. There is so much good fic that came out of those. So I'll talk more about Big Bangs later and how this one is such a good example of one. Um, It is about 70,500 words, so a bit outside of the usual scope of what we wanted to do for the pod generally, but it's my birthday, so I get to celebrate like this! Um, yeah, wow, this fic has been one of my favorite works of fanfiction pretty much since I read it, which is wild now that it's been like five years my second time ever reading it was rereading it for the pod. I read it once. It changed my life. And then like, I would go to read it again and I'd be like, oh, but I know I'm going to feel so many things. And like, I wasn't <laughs> sure that I was ready. It was that. And then also being so scared that I wasn't going to still feel the way that I did the first time I read it. And like, I would argue that I didn't, but in different ways. Uh, the first time I ever read it, I, I I mentioned this when we did our top fix of the decade episode last year, but uh, the first time I read it, I cried so much at the ending not because I was sad but just because it felt so good to read that ending I mean it is kind of sad but I just thought it was so perfect for the fic and for the way that things had been building so I really love it um this fic is a dark tower fusion a dark tower au I told my co-hosts you don't need any dark tower knowledge (laughs) um because my style of reading is you just go with it and whatever happens happens um I still, I I maintain that you can read it without knowing anything about the Dark Tower. I think it does a lot of good internal world building. I think it situates you well with the language and terminology that it uses. That said, I don't think Dark Tower knowledge would hurt. Uh, (laughs) I believe Brenna at least looked some stuff up um, and might have some more to say about that later on. I still don't know anything about the Dark Tower. I just know, what's his face? Idris Elba was in the movie forever ago. I never watched it. I just remember the trailer because I was like, oh, hey, I read a One Direction AU about that one. So then I never watched it. (laughs) Like literally my knowledge of the Dark Tower is this fic. Um, Before I get too much into plot stuff, I did want to talk about the content warnings for this fic. Um, It is tagged with both graphic depictions of violence and major character death. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) The major character death like is definitely death, but it. (laughs) how do i say this he dies but we don't see him dead that's not anything okay he dies i'll talk more about it later Uh, (laughs) if you're like oh god i don't know if i can handle mcd like i don't think that it's it's not like a terminal illness fic or something like it does it thinks and talks a lot about death but yeah i would say that the major character death is not like it's not a fic where the major character death is the focal point it's not the plot of the yeah. fic, even though, as you said, like death and sort of the thought of it, it does happen. It's pretty <laughs> present, and and yeah, also it does happen. Yeah. Well, and like the ending does work to kind of resolve it in a yes. way. Like I don't want to say it just like negates what happens because that's not that's not what it, like what the fic is doing. But yeah. like it it does the work to kind of not leave you on just a note of like, oops, he's dead. Exactly. Also, sorry, Nick. 
now that you have two birthday episodes in a row where major uh-huh. character death has been a thing, is this just, are you just yes. establishing this, that for all future birthday episodes, regardless of what our format is, they will be major character death? I had legitimately forgotten that this was tagged with MCDs, like, honestly, <laughs> possibly, <laughs> not even on purpose, like, maybe. I don't know why I forgot, like, it's pretty obviously that, but, you know, yeah, just don't worry about it. Maybe. Never, never say never, though. Maybe I'll bring a fic where everyone lives. next year (laughs) we'll see no promises uh the third content warning i did want to mention was this fic is tagged for past abuse um i would be a little bit more specific and say that there is past child abuse that is both referenced and that we see in flashbacks on screen it's not super graphic but it very much does happen and it happens in the text of the fic so just a warning uh for that So those are the content warnings for this fic. Um, I wanted to do a very brief attempt at a plot overview. Good luck. Thank you. I think you can do it. I I think think I can do it. it. I think I can do it. Uh, All right. So our POV character and main character of this fic is Harry. He is a gunslinger. And that means something in this fic. Uh, He... (laughs) This verse has some amount of magic. Um, I would say some of it is slightly fantastical, like our antagonist is, spoilers, pew, 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 a vampire. Uh, we'll talk more about him, I'm sure, later. Um, but yeah, he's just straight up a vampire. Uh, it's tagged with psychic bond, um, alternate universe western, alternate universe horror, alternate universe post-apocalypse. There's like a lot going on here. Uh, it is a multiverse fic. So this is one universe out of very, very, very many, and the knowledge of other universes is canon, and the characters do kind of know that this is the case. Uh, The implication is that they are living in the far, 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 far future of the world as we know it now. So things have changed a lot. There's a lot of talk about like the end of the world and like the way things are slowly moving toward the end. There's talk about entropy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Harry is part of a little squad, you could call it. Uh, in the fic, it's described as a quartet. Uh, so they are kind of bound together. It's four of them, but before the fic begins, Zane leaves. So it's just Harry, Liam, and Louis as they are sent off on a quest from Gilead where they were trained to go clear up a blockage on this like very long trail path that they're on. So that's kind of the premise. They're going out, they're going to clear the blockage. They meet Niall at one point. They also meet the girls from Little Mix. Hell yeah, women. I love them in this fic, honestly. They're so good. Um, so yeah, they go, they find the blockage, and they realize that this town that they're in, there's actually something fishy going on. There's talk of disappearances. There's people who seem like they are possessed or like different or um, somehow magically influenced to become evil and... As the story progresses, they do end up kind of figuring out what's going on and what they need to do to unblock the path forward. There's also a lot of, you know, like, faith-shaking moments and love and all of those good things that you want in a 70k fic. Uh, So that's my very, very general overview without spoiling too much. Um, If you're interested in reading this fic, I'd highly recommend bailing out now and going to read it and then coming back because, uh, in my opinion, it is extremely good and the ending and the different kind of plot twists that we see hit way harder if you are not already aware of what's going on. So, yeah, I think that is where I'm going to stop because I've been talking about this fic by myself for like 10 minutes. Um, But I would love to know what my co-hosts thought of this fanfiction. 
Yeah. So I think pretty much the entire time I've been friends with Nick, Nick has been like, Brenna, read <laughs> The River in the Deep Green Bend. And I've been like, yeah, that sounds like a really good fic. And then I just never read it. Um, in some ways, I have regrets about that. But in other ways, I am kind of glad to have saved it for now, because I think it's much more fun to read it when I know I'm going to be able to discuss it with my two friends. And like, this is a fic that I think very much wants discussing. Like, a lot of the things that happen, especially later on in this fic, like, aren't super clear to the reader. Um, and like, I was left with questions in a way that I, I don't mind, but like definitely made me want to talk about it with other people. So I'm excited to like, get the chance to read it in this context. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was so good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, like, I don't read much 1D fic these days. Um, Especially because I think what I'm always looking for is fic that kind of deals with uh, how 1D ended and, like, from Zane leaving onward, sort of the dissolution of the band. Um, and this fic grapples with that so well in a completely alternate setting. Um, I didn't know that that's something I wanted, but the way this fic works with it is incredible. You really get to work through kind of what happened in rea like in our reality. Um, in like a really cathartic way via this complete AU. Um, well, not, I guess not a complete, mm, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, yeah, I mean, also like the vibes of it were great. We all know I love kind of a Western vibe. So <laughs> that was very much like catered to me specifically. I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know anything about The Dark Tower either. Um, I could have basically told you that, like, it's a series written by Stephen King. Um, there's a guy who's a gunslinger, and that's all I've got. So I went in with basically the same amount of knowledge as Nick. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think you need to know a lot to read this. I felt perfectly fine with the limited amount of knowledge I had. I did some Googling just out of, like, pure curiosity. Um... And there were a couple things like we talked about in our pre-discussion that made me wonder if they were things that this author invented or if they were sort of pulled from the lore of the world. So I, I did a little digging on that afterwards. But again, that was just like curiosity. It wasn't needed for like reading comprehension or enjoyability or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I have so many things to say that we'll get back to. But my intro statement is it was incredible. Um, I'm sad I waited so long to read it, but I'm also happy I waited so long to read it. Yeah, as I was reading, I did make a note that said, is this a Nick pick or a Brenna pick, TBH? It's Western. There's <laughs> a soul bond or something kind of equivalent. It's Nary. I was like, this really this really seems like on the money uh -huh. for what Bren would love. And then I got a little bit further in and I was like, okay, no, this is so deeply, deeply mm -hmm. a Nick pick. But um, yeah, wow. This fic makes you do work. Um, I feel no qualms about saying that if it were not for this podcast, I... Would have never, like, found this fic, but even if it had been wrecked to me, I do not think I would have made it to the end, to be honest. Um, as someone who was not in One Direction and knows nothing about Dark Tower apart from the, like, four sentences I read on Wikipedia, it is a lot. Like, it really makes you do work, and you have to read slowly, or at least I did. Like, there is so much going on, there's so much packed into every single sentence that, like, you have to take your time with it. And, oh 
my god, was the ending worth it. Like, I was so rewarded by the work that I put into this fic. I was challenged in a way that I am not normally reading fic, I think. Even when um, both of you have brought fic to the pod where I'm not, like, familiar with the fandom or whatever. Like, this was such a particular reading experience. Um, And I'm glad that I went through it uh, for this podcast. But, I, yeah, I really think if it were not, like, for this, I wouldn't have read it. Um, And now I'm better for having done so. Um, Yeah, I... When I finished reading this, I went into our Discord server, like, with Nick and Bren, and I just said, Nick, I am unhinged. Um... And I still feel kind of that way. I am astounded by the breadth of what this author tackled and how well they did it. Um, like Brenna, I agree. Like I don't, I don't know every bit of what comes from canon and what was sort of made up by this author. But regardless, from what I did gather, like the canon is expansive. It's eight books, like, and it is it is not an easy world to dive into. I would imagine, um, and so. I think it is phenomenal what the author has done with it. Um, the character arcs, like the growth that Harry goes through is so compelling. I I did have a little bit of a time with the major character death tag, uh, mostly because I opened this fic and I went into it and I was like, let's go. I didn't read any of the tags. Um, I got like maybe a quarter of the way in and then I was like, I know this fic is Harry um, Nile, but is it also Liam Louie? And I went back up to see if it was tagged for that. And instead I saw the major character death tag. And I was like, oh, hmm. And at the very beginning of the fic, you know that Zane is not there. And I was like, well, I thought Zane left, but is Zane dead? Spoilers, it's not Zane who dies. Um, he's not <laughs> dead. <was> fine. <laughs> um, so then having for the like last three quarters or so of this fic, having that sort of major character death tag hanging over the back of my head definitely um, colored my reading. Not in a bad way at all, but like... Oh boy, it was present. I was thinking about it. Um, and the way it comes to happen and sort of the resolution after, yeah, unhinged. I, it was so it was so good. Um, I am really excited to dig into all the things about this fic because I know we all have a lot to say. Yeah, fun fact, I did not read the major character death tag. Um, I did not know that it was on this fic. Um, I read the additional tags, but I did not read the archive warnings. Um, so yeah, I I didn't know it was coming like as as we were approaching it until we were like, like in it. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It was fine. I was fine. Like with it. I didn't feel like jolted that I didn't know it was happening or something but um yeah I didn't read that tag (laughs) so it was not hanging over me I didn't know it was coming (laughs) who reads tags these days anyway you know I feel like I just skim tags and I pick up like sometimes salient information and sometimes not but I almost never look at archive warnings like if it's a fic that's been wrecked to me Mm -hmm. like I'll just click on the link and then I just go so makes sense yeah, I like I read additional tags all the time and largely skip archive warnings. So, well, often also because sometimes when I'm like browsing fic for myself, there are archive warnings I filter out. Yeah. Um. So then I don't need to worry about them. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, I like I had some of the additional tags in the back of my head as we were as I was reading this. Like I was like, hmm, wonder when that blood drinking is gonna come in. <laughs> Didn't didn't read that tag or didn't, that, didn't know uh, that sensual one. orange eating, but um, the yeah, sensual I orange didn't, eating didn't know yeah. about the character. Death. 
That is wild. I read none of the additional tags, so we really went in with different mm -hmm. info. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I had already read this fic when I came back to it. But it was funny to see, like, what I did remember really well and what I didn't. Like, there were some scenes that were so clear in my mind. Like, the entire ending I remembered really well. Um, the sensual orange eating I did remember pretty vividly. Uh, which, like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that first scene, which ties back into the ending. Not first, but, an, like, early scene with um, Perry and Jesse and Leanne and Jade and them. Um, that whole kind of section I remembered super, super well. I remembered Harry punching Louie very vividly as well. I remember being like, <gasps> ah! and it's like, it's funny. I was just going back over my comment that I had left, which, wow, um, <laughs> before we started talking, I think it is the only time that I have ever spilled into a new comment box while I was writing and I filled two like it was I was looking at it and I was like oh wow <laughs> I mean it makes sense I have a lot of feelings I'm here to talk about them but like boy and that was after apparently and I do faintly remember this I had gone into the author's tumblr IMs and just like <laughs> yelled for hours and then I was like okay now I'm gonna write two comment boxes worth of <laughs> comments on AO3 so I mentioned earlier that this fic was written for the One Direction Big Bang round four, which is, it's funny. I was going back a, few, a couple months ago, I think, actually, through a couple of the rounds of the 1D Big Bang, because I just remembered it being quite good. Um, I had a group chat of friends, six of us that all had signed up, um, and I'm still close with them. And it's it's so fun to go back and see, like, that was how I actually made a lot of really close friendships um, by participating. But I remember, like... And I, I don't know that I've really had this in other fandoms since, but like that, it, it was the event, like it was the thing to do. Like the authors were amazing. The artists were amazing. Everyone was kind of congregating and putting stuff together in a massive fandom. And like looking back now, I don't know how, I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was that we were still kind of close in some ways to the days of like live journal and like community-based events and people kind of knowing each other and stuff. It feels very different now that fandom has kind of scattered to different places, but if you're not familiar, a Big Bang is an event with a minimum word count uh, where an author pitches an idea. Uh, the 1D Big Bang, from what I recall, was always a 25k minimum. Uh, so you would pitch your idea, get a summary, get some words down, and then an artist would go in and look at all of the different pitches. I believe this part was organized in either LiveJournal or DreamWith. They would go through and look at all of them, and then they would sign up to make a piece of art for that work. So I know when I participated, um, one of my friends made me an amazing playlist uh, with a cover that was kind of like a mood board that I did accidentally email to my coworker. Uh, that year, but not worried about it. <laughs> it's like, Nicole, why did you send me like your your weird fan collage? And I could I couldn't <laughs> say like, listen, it's not it's not my weird fan collage. I wrote the ninety seven thousand word accompanying fan fiction. Like I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't do it. So on this fic, the author and the artist uh, work together, and the piece that came out of it is at the very beginning of the fic. It's really cool. It's kind of like a 3D photography art combination. We've got some oranges, we've got some string and some paint. We've got a hand with the bullet, which I love so much. Uh, and there's like a bird flying over that I think is meant to be Rover, but also there is like a fair amount of bird imagery. It's just really beautiful, and it's so cool to see how like 
those things can all come together and make like one piece even bigger than the two pieces would have been individually. Um, there's also other supplemental art. I believe the link to the source is broken, um, but there are some illustrated tarot cards from an outside source that are interspersed within the fic that are also really beautiful. So if you read it, check that out. It's hard to miss because they're in the fic, but you know, <laughs> just take a minute, pause, have a look, and then keep going. Well, I really loved that in the author's notes at the end, um, the author thanks the artist and says, this fic feels weird and different and you did something weird and different and absolutely beautiful and working with you was a pleasure. And I really liked that. Like weird and different feels right. And it's obviously said with so much love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that a lot of Big Bangs will allow for fan works that are not just traditional fan art. Um, like I got a mix. I remember I like made a few like edits for people uh, for I think a couple of like mini bangs of like kind of like a mood board style type thing from like a couple different scenes, like quotes and stuff pulled in back when I had regular access to Photoshop. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just cool. I know a lot of events now lately too are accepting podfic, which is really fun, like a, a scene that is podfic because asking a pod ficker to do like 100k on short notice is not going to work out very well. But yeah, I just thought it was really cool. And it made me feel really nostalgic for that specific era of events where it wasn't like a billion different events all happening at the same time. It felt very organized. Like every once in a while, I would do an exchange or a big bang, but it was never like inundated the way that I sometimes feel now in fandoms that I'm in where it's like, hey, here's an account to track the 500 fests that are happening this year. And it's like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I just want to hang out with my friends and make cool stuff, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that as I was reading through too. Like this fic inherently like in and of itself is a big part of my fandom history just because I remember loving it so dearly and caring so much about it. Uh, and then also the event that it was part of was a big part of my fandom history in terms of like teaching me to write longer form and connecting with people that I wouldn't have been friends with otherwise. Yeah, I've never done a Big Bang, but I absolutely see the appeal of them. I think they are so, so cool. And I think it is really fun, like you said, when the types of art that can be accepted are, it's more than just, I guess, like traditional fan art, um, because seeing the ways that people are creative with things is so fun. Maybe someday I'll do a Big Bang. I think that would be cool. Also, do I know how to write long fic? I guess one time I wrote a 17k fic, but then I forgot about it within the span of three years, like literally straight up forgot that I wrote it. So like, Jury's out on that one. <laughs> I think you can. Maybe. Don't you have like 12K in your docs right now? I, I do, but like if it's... Reed, come on. Okay, at the risk of... <laughs> like, I don't mean this exactly the way it sounds, but like if it's not published, does it count? Because like, does it count as a long fic if it's 12K of maybe maybe a third of this fic and if it doesn't ever go anywhere? <laughs> well, the 12K counts. I don't think the 36K counts yet. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant, like, does it count as me being able to write long fic if I don't actually finish it? If you haven't it? finished it. <laughs> well, that's a philosophical question, I think. <sighs> Ficlets weigh in. Is read valid? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, like, in getting into more of, like, the text of the fic now, um, I kind of want to start by talking about the scene that happens uh, pretty early on in the fic. It's not, like, the first thing we encounter, but it's... And one of the early scenes that sort of sets us on a path for, like, the rest of the fic. Um, and that is when uh, Harry, Liam, and Louie encounter the girls from Little Mix um, and basically end up spending a night, like, at their cabin. Uh, 
Also, side note, I am just obsessed with the image of, like, the four of them as these, like, homesteader, like, (laughs) badass women. I don't know. I just love them deeply. Um, But while they're there, uh, Jesse offers to do a tarot card reading for them. Um, And I think the way that that's executed is so well done in this fic. Like, it's one of those things where, as I'm reading it, I'm aware that it is foreshadowing what's going to happen down the road. I'm aware that each of these cards that she's pulling and the meaning that she's associating with them is going to have repercussions for the story. That we're going to encounter these same, basically, cards or meanings uh, as we progress. Like, I think that that is visible to the reader. But I really liked it. I think... In a fic like this, you're kind of thrown into a world that's a little bit hard to understand, um, especially if you're coming at it from knowledge of, like, the One Direction side, but not the Dark Tower side. So I think it really worked well to kind of give the reader something to understand what was going to play out a little bit without telling them what direction the story was going to go in, in terms of, like, character work and, like, plot and actual, like, events that are happening with, like, people. It doesn't, it doesn't foreshadow any of the sort of things that we learn down the road about, like, the lore or anything like that, but it gives us sort of these, like, checkpoints that you know are going to happen and, like, an idea of the overarching narrative. Uh, Because she pulls these kind of, like, big cards that have a lot of meaning to them um and then as we read through we like encounter those same cards like visually between the text um and i think something like that could feel heavy-handed but it really didn't for me in this fic instead it felt kind of like a bit of a map that i was following like i think signposting and like kind of foreshadowing in fic can be really helpful sometimes or like in any written work um not just fic but like I think this this one executed that so well and was so satisfying to me, especially like as we got to those moments and I saw how the cards fit in because it changes on some of the meanings that she uh, illustrated at the beginning when she's first pulling like the cards for them. Um, But then some of it still stays the same. So I just thought that was really well executed and was one of my favorite things about this. Yeah, I think kind of along those lines, a lot of this fic is very self-referential. And I really loved that about it. When I first read it, I was looking back over my comment. When I first read it, um, I seemed to be fairly convinced that there was some kind of a time loop happening. I don't really believe that upon my secondary read, um, but that was my initial interpretation. And there are some things I still really like about that interpretation that I had from so long ago. There was one part that I referenced. Um, I think there's a couple of times that Harry says, like, he shivers and someone's like, you good? And he's like, ah, goose walked over my grave. Like, that's just kind of a saying. Um, and in my comment, I basically wrote, he walked over his own grave in all caps. I don't know what I meant by that. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly, do. like, think you're kind of right. And we'll get back to that later because I have some thoughts about, like, the ending. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Um, but I think there's just so much that I really loved because a lot of times the ways that the fic doubles back over on itself aren't as obvious. Um, for me, a thing that I was thinking about a lot was Niall's character and the way in which he, in a lot of ways, teaches Harry choice and teaches him to kind of shirk the idea of predestination. And at the same time, what is so central to his character is the faith and belief that the five of them are meant to be together. Like, Niall, who says that love and faith are completely different things, but whose love in so many ways is built from faith. I found it so interesting that like 
he and Harry were kind of opposites in a lot of ways, but at their cores, the thing that drove them actually wasn't all that different. It was just the way that they looked at it. So I really, really loved that piece of it. I think that the things that they taught and like gave and showed each other were really beautiful, even as the narrative kept pressing forward in a way at which by a certain point, you know, there's no fixing. There's no fixing anything here, really. It just kind of is what it is, and it is going to keep unraveling. There's not really anything you can do, which another self-reference because it talks a lot about entropy earlier on and how this idea that like the world was pulling itself apart from the moment that it was born. Yeah, Nick, I'm thinking about um, as you were talking about Niall's separation sort of of love and faith in that conversation he has with Harry. Um, I think that is such a good scene and reminds me a little bit of what Brenna was saying, that it could have felt so heavy handed. And yet I think it was done so well, Um, where Niall and Harry are on their way back from visiting one of Niall's friends, mentors, uh, Willem. He's cool. Is that a is that a One Direction person or an OC? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, They're on their way back. Or a Dark Tower character. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think the author said that the only Dark Tower character was Court. Ah, yeah, oh, I think I think sense. Willem is an OC. Um, I, they the author said in the beginning that like functionally anyone from the sort of like One Direction extended universe is just sort of an OC in this fic. Um, yeah. So there's there's more to get into there, but first, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's there's the scene where they're on their way back and they stop at this river, um, and they have this whole conversation because, um. From what I grasped from this fic and I guess like the deeper Dark Tower lore, Harry is a gunslinger and being a gunslinger means following a very specific creed. And while it's not any sort of religion that is definable in our world, I think you very easily could say it is a religion. Um, it absolutely guides the way that he sees the world. And there's this whole thing about Ka, which is sort of like the energy, I guess, that flows through the universe. Um, and Niall has this whole monologue basically where he talks about um a river flowing like a river versus a seed of a tree and how it grows um how a tree branches off and how a river can split and how these things are related to love and faith and it yeah it was such a heavy conversation but not heavy-handed um it was interesting because as i was reading it i sort of had the thought that like like in the back of my mind i was like thinking about the one direction voice from our universe and i was like it is wild to me to make this, like, Niall and Harry and yet have it feel so right and good. Like, the characters have been built up in such a way that, like, this was a believable conversation. And it was deep and it had weight and it worked so well. And I think it just easily could not have uh, with a less skilled author. Um, but God, I really loved that scene. Yeah, I want to talk about that scene a little bit, too, because I think, like... And we'll get to the ending a little bit more, but I think we were kind of going back and forth on like, okay, is it like a time loop? Is it an alternate universe? Like, what's the sort of mechanism that's at play here? Because we know the alternate universes are like a real thing in this in this world. And we, we learn that more and more sort of uh, tangibly as we go through the fic. Um, it's first sort of hinted at and then becomes like a very like material reality. Um, but I think at the same time, there's something flexible and interconnected about these universes. And I think in that also like time a bit. Um, So we learned that like Niall can kind of move between these universes through this place called the Thinny, uh, which is kind of like a thinning of the barricades between these universes. Um, 
and also the way he talks about like this concept of ka which is kind of like fate but a little bit different a little bit like destiny but also kind of just like the movement of the universe um is also like fluid and kind of runs not just within their universe but kind of between them all uh we learned that like niall's mentor this guy willem um can travel kind of in the spaces between the universes as well this this place called todash space um and there's a bit of the conversation where like Niall and Harry uh, are by the river and this is after they visit Willem at one point and Harry's kind of realizing uh, a little bit more of kind of the extension of <laughs> these alternate universes and kind of they're having this discussion of like what is Ka, what is fate, what is love, like what holds these things together. Um, and Niall says, You see the way a tree grows, the way it sprouts into smaller and smaller versions of the same shape, branches from branches, a thousand versions of itself, but with unique alterations, scars, bits lopped off and growth that still goes a little wrong, each one only itself and each one an echo of all the others, the same places, the same stories told again and again, the same faces meeting the same fate and other fates too, a thousand deaths a thousand times over. And like... I think the thing that I've been thinking about since I finished reading this fic like last night and uh, up until now (laughs) is that like, I don't think it's purely a question of like just alternate universes or just branching alternate universes. I think it's also a question of like the interconnectedness of them all because I, there's this sense that like, even though Niall has traveled to some of these alternate universes and like seen the other versions of the five of them it also feels like he always kind of intrinsically knew that, like he's connected to this flow of time and space um, and of these repeating like multitudes of themselves. And I'm just kind of obsessed with that, actually. (laughs) Like, I love how in this fic, I kept getting glimpses of that concept, but it just kept building and building on itself. And I think this conversation was one of the kind of turning points. But like reading that section at the beginning, I thought now was just kind of talking in hypotheticals about how he views Ka, how he views these branches, how how people and relationships are also kind of these branches. And then by the end and like looking back and rereading bits, there's so much more meaning to the conversations they had. And I think that that was just incredibly done. Yeah, because I think like when you think about the interconnectedness of it all, one of the questions that this fic poses is, is it that it's always supposed to be the five of them? Or is it that any iteration of the five of them is meant to end in some sad, tragic way? (laughs) Um, I think both of those questions really work and function in the world that the fic gives us and the other worlds that Niall has seen. Um, at the beginning of this fic, we come upon just Harry, Liam, and Louis as they're traveling and trying to finish out their job. Um, and sometime in the recent past, we learn eventually that they had killed uh, a young man, a boy. And that was Zane's breaking point. Zane was like, I'm done. I'm out. I can't do this. Um, his whole thing is like, when has a gun ever helped someone? Like, what? what is the point of what we're doing? Is it not all horrible and destructive and terrible? So he leaves. And we meet Harry and Louis and Liam in an extremely fractured state after that happens. They're really struggling. Louis and Harry, like, will not speak to each other. They're constantly fighting. Liam is, like, sort of trying to hold them together but not managing the stress very well. It's just a mess. And then a little bit later on, you find out that Liam and Louis are planning on, once this specific job is done, they're leaving. Um, And if that means exile, so be it. Uh, If Zane did it, so can they. uh, Because they're just miserable. 
And the Harry of this fic is not happy. Um, He's really struggling. He's messed up from his childhood and the training that he went through and the things that were instilled in him. Um, And the way that discipline operates within him is really (laughs) messed up in a lot of ways. Um, And so he meets Niall and a lot of that starts unraveling and it's the four of them for a little bit. But I think to me it was really interesting to see how this is how they fall apart in this universe. And then Niall, who can't really read what they call old speech, which is, I think, what I'm speaking right now, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, <laughs> who, can't, who can't really read it. Um, he's gone to all of these different universes where they are one direction, where they're together as five, and he's like bringing back magazines and stuff, and he finally takes Harry at one point to NYC, baby! (laughs) It's Gunslinger Harry in New York! I thought that was actually really incredible. Niall's like, keep your scarf up, and Harry's like, why? And some girl looks at him and is like, and he's like, what? (laughs) Which is also really funny to imagine, like, seeing Harry Styles in, like, the middle of Times Square, except he's, like, in, like, a cowboy outfit, Uh basically, like... (laughs) And yeah. just dirty, yeah. like, <laughs> but also not in like a like a movie set kind of way. Like he's just there. <laughs> yeah, he's just standing there. Um, yeah, like glaring around at people. Um, but when they finally get to this magazine stand where Niall has created sort of his own lore, his own religion, his own thing to believe in, um, Harry can read very clearly in block text on the front of this magazine. Zane quits. Uh, which is not the same as the image of the five of them all kind of like smiling half on top of each other. So like, yeah, this question of is there a universe where it gets to be the five of them and they get to be happy? Like that's the question that to me is driving Niall so much. We don't get his point of view at any point. We don't really fully get to understand what he's doing or what he has done in the past or especially the ending. Like what is Niall's deal? <laughs> what's what's he up to? Uh, we don't get a lot of that, but we know his motivation so clearly that it allows you to extrapolate several different interpretations that I think can all be valid just based on how hard this specific thing is driving him forward well there's a quote pretty late into the fic where he says everything harry i don't know what it is blind faith or wishful thinking or like the knowing but i can feel it that we'll be all right all five of us that we were always going to be all right and it is fascinating when you consider it in the context of not only what you were just saying like these different universes he's been to and this force that drives him but also in the specific universe and setting that most of this fic takes place in. Because as we sort of mentioned, spoilers, the, the five of them do not end up all right uh, in, in this particular iteration. I feel like we need to talk about Ben Winston. <laughs> I feel like I feel like yeah. we need to. <laughs> We've probably gotten to the point where we have to talk about Ben Winston. I think it's time, everyone. <laughs> okay. Can I just... So, um... Ficklets who have not read this fic, as you're reading, like the Liam and Louis and Harry come into this town. There's a guy, Niall, they meet Niall there, and there's a guy, and he's like, Winston is causing some bad things. And then, like, a couple scenes later, Harry meets him and he introduces himself as Ben. And it's, oh, it's Ben Winston. Um, it sure is. I, okay, I probably should have asked this during our pre discussion, but like, mm. I do not know who this man is in One Direction lore. The three of us watched, like, James Corden together where, like, BTS was on it and, like, Ben Winston was there and you both made some sort of, like, hissing noises or whatever. And, like, all I have gathered is that, like, 
he is the villain in 1D lore, I guess. I literally do not know him, and I probably should have asked at a point that is sooner than this, but um, can you please fill me in? Yeah, so Harry's Yellow Shorts, and then also the TV show that basically was based on him and his wife and Harry. There you go. <laughs> yeah, read. There you Don't go. you get it? <laughs> Don't you understand, Reed? Help! SOS, I feel like you are speaking like old speech or high speech or whatever, and I am Niall. Like, I understand the shape of what you're saying, but God, I do not comprehend it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ben Winston's like a producer type guy. He did a lot of their like production on their content when they were a group, um, like working with different shows and like putting things together. I don't know his actual like job job, to be honest. I never cared much to know about it. Um, but he was fairly prevalent just like as a figure around them. Also, he and Harry became kind of tight. And then there was he, he Harry did live with them at a point. Yeah. So there was like a TV show literally based off of that. And everyone was like, I hate this <laughs> because we like, knew. A, like a reality show? No, <laughs> like a sitcom. <laughs> Like what? a scripted sitcom that was like, oh, like a pop star living with these people. And uh-huh. it's like, okay, this is literally just Ben Winston and his wife. He was a producer on it. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like he was just kind of there. I don't know. He like, to my knowledge, he didn't really do evil things. Just. He's not really like a villain. No. He's just, he was just always so there that like he became in lore more than he probably actually was in reality mm, yeah. okay you both have just spoken but, like, with such all, disdain it just sort of invokes ptsd when yeah. i see him and then like people from army twitter are like oh like who's this guy blah 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 i'm like don't touch ben winston i've been there i've done that <laughs> let me go on with i thought my life. we moved on <laughs> yeah yeah, I wouldn't say him being cast as a villain was, like, common necessarily, though. It was really, okay. like, I, I'm sure it happened, but it was hysterical in this thing because I had forgotten that it was him. Yeah. Even not knowing, like, anything about him or whatever, when I got to the part where he introduces himself as Ben and Harry's like, oh, that's his first name, I had to stop because I was laughing so hard just because that was really funny even to me. Yeah. So in this fic, uh, since we haven't mentioned it yet, uh, yeah. ben, we- ben Winston is vampire evil man. <laughs> um, he's just yes. he's just straight up a vampire. Um, Niall accidentally brought him through when he had a case of the thinnies, which I am trying to make a common phrase because uh-huh. the idea is that a person can move through the thinny at a traumatic time in their life. That's what happened to Niall. There was like a catastrophe and then he just kind of showed up at a very young age covered in blood in this new world and everyone was like, okay, I guess. Here's a kid. Uh, yeah, so Niall, to our, to our knowledge, accidentally brought Ben Winston through the thinny and now Winston, as he was mostly referred to, in the fic is like trying to create a horrible vampire army and like take over the entire world. Or whatever. And like the the kind of incredible part of this um is not just the implication of Ben Winston being a vampire, but the implication that Ben Winston is an is an ancient mm-hmm. uh powerful yes. vampire from another world. And we don't know what world that is. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we can safely, I think pretty safely assume it's not New York. And we know it's not that world that they were in, but anything but like, else is, is our fair world? game. I don't know. That's could true. Be. I guess it could be technically. 
but he's evil. So the whole the the plot generally is the first time Harry kind of sees him in action is the town leader because he's the one causing this blockage. He is able to observe that Winston was like holding this woman back while her daughter, a newly turned little evil vampire chick, was like walking around like, Mom, I miss you. And everyone was like, don't do it. And she was like, my daughter. Uh, Winston like intentionally let her go to like teach everyone a lesson that they should listen to him, that it's dangerous out there, et cetera, et cetera. But then we find out later he probably turned that girl to continue building his power. Well, like he let her go, but in a way that was like, very specifically orchestrated to make it look like she broke away from him. Like, Harry is Mm -hmm, only, he's closely observing Winston because Niall told him to watch. Um, And, like, everything, like, everything that Winston does is so carefully calculated to be a very particular, like, story he's trying to tell. Yeah. And, And just to clarify, like, him letting her go does result in the death of both the little vampire girl and the mom. So, yes. like, it's not just like, oh, and he let her go. Like, that sounds nice. No. <laughs> it's bad. It's extremely he's, he's bad. He's demonstrating something to the these townspeople uh, via the murder of one of their own. Yeah. So about halfway through the fic, uh, they start devising a plan to take him out. Uh, so this fic, like, there's a lot to it. But in terms of plot, I would say, like, the world building and the backstory and the relationship moments are all really dense. But the plot itself, in a lot of ways, is kind of straightforward. They show up. They're like, this vampire is evil. We got to take him out. They make their plan. Then they try to take him out. Like, that is the barest bones Mm -hmm. of this plot, Um, which I found interesting because in a lot of ways, the pacing of this fic is extremely slow at the beginning in a way that I loved. I think... I wrote in my comment five years ago um, that I wish that when people ask me my favorite book, I could say The River and the Deep Green Bend by <laughs> Liquid Measure because it felt so literary in that sense. It takes its time getting you acclimated. It sits in character moments and past relationship moments and flashbacks. It's not in a rush. Um, and I think that makes it all the more compelling when you get toward the end and there is this horrible forward momentum because there's no time. They just have to keep moving and moving and moving and try to stop Winston from like enacting his evil plan because it it gets so hectic and it feels so real in a lot of ways. Like the the places where you almost wish there was more time when they had started figuring things out, when things were looking better, that's where this plot moves the fastest. Yeah, so sort of on that note, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning um, of my bit, I did have the major character death tag just hanging over my head the entire time I was reading. And as we're getting closer to the end and this fic picks up like a frenetic pace, I just felt like my stomach drop. I was like, okay, at this point, having long since known that Zayn was not the one who died, I was like, okay, well, like Harry dies like that. There is no other way that this fic is going to go. So the four of them, along with, like, Willem and, like, some of their other friends, craft this plan to basically um, blow up the abandoned mine that, like, all of the vampires are sleeping in with the hope that, like, the fire will kill them and what ones don't die will just be buried under the earth. It's kind of horrific. Um, But I guess, like, if they didn't do anything, the vampires would kill everyone. And that's pretty horrific, too. So. Gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Um. So they have this plan for, like, a week out, and then Winston sort of, like, realizes what's going on. Um, He kidnaps Niall, and Nick, as you said, like, everything speeds up. Like, there is no time for anything. And so they're like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we have to just do it now. And something that was really prevalent for me as we led up to this confrontation between Winston and Harry was um, 
Harry's observations of the town thus far have been that it is, like, dry and dusty and pale and washed out. And Niall and Rochelle and some other people have been saying, like, oh, the rains are coming soon and, like, you'll see, like, it'll it'll change this whole place. And um, there is a bit, like, sort of right before everything kicks off where Harry says, like, oh, I can't imagine this place being anything other than dry and dusty. And Niall's like, oh, you'll see it. And uh, the fic reads, you'll see. It strikes him as funny, right in his middle, Niall saying that. The implication of some vague but definite future. Harry will see the rain, and the other shoe will drop, and Louis and Liam will go, won't they? He can't imagine what sort of shape his life will take without them. Where he'll go from here. If he'll go. He'll see the rain. That much is certain, though it feels impossible in this moment. Everything else is mutable. And then you flash forward to, like, when everything is kicking off, and, uh, it's raining, the rain came early, and these, like, barrels of flammable gas i guess or something like i don't I don't know if it specifies i think it's like oil the dregs of oil yeah yeah so mm-hmm. these barrels of oil that they were going to light on fire with this fuse from a safe distance doesn't work because it's raining and so harry knows with a certainty deep in his gut that he has to walk forward and set the barrels on fire by shooting them um that he he won't be at a safe distance when he does that um and so just this this image of it's like raining, the rain is pouring down into this mine. Everything is dampened and horrible. All of his friends are like fleeing to escape. Niall is sort of desperate, like, I'll do this. And Harry is like, no, it has to be me because, spoilers, Winston bit him and Harry is turning into a vampire. Uh, the image of that scene when you've gotten so much of this like dry, acrid desert, this everything washed out and muted and and so distant and now everything is present and in your face the contrast of that worked so well for me and when I went back and I I reread that paragraph like right before Harry dies basically the he'll see the rain that much is certain it just was such a gut punch because uh he sure does and the everything else that is mutable is maybe Niall's image of the happy ending of the five of them getting together sort of yeah I mean I think I read that as him him seeing the rain is this scene, right? And this scene was always going to happen, and it was always going to happen like this. Mm-hmm. There was no way around it. But everything else, both Liam, Louie, Niall, Zane, their lives after Harry, but also Niall going into other universes and trying to change things. Like, I think that is what could be mutable. Yeah. Yeah, to pick up there, uh, Harry does go down into the shaft. Um, but before that, he says his goodbyes, and they're very sad. Um, I had a lot of feelings about the Harry and Louie in this fic specifically, and like the ways in which they absolutely just fractured and broke apart, and how literally the only present time, or even past time really, that we get to see them being close, uncomplicatedly, is when Louie is saying goodbye to him. And even then, Harry is thinking about how he like wants to bite Louis. <laughs> it's not funny. It's really sad, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know this this idea where they're like, oh, like we said we were gonna leave, but like it doesn't have to be like that. Like if you come back, like if you make it out, like it'll be okay. Like all this stuff. And Harry knows it's certain into his core, even as he's like fighting off a vampire transformation and concussed like he's pretty messed up his narration is really interesting he comes with a lot of things almost sideways during the scene as he's thinking about them and the way that he's feeling and reacting to stuff is just slightly off to match his physical state which is very bad Um, but he ends up walking down and one of the things in this fic is that vampires have some level of thrall which is like you know 
what's what's the word I'm looking for? Influence over people. Yes, I'm familiar as when command them and tell them what to do. Oh yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm familiar as when um my D and D character entered the thrall of a vampire and then I almost got oh, yeah. my whole party killed, but instead I just got Brenna's character killed. We brought her back. Yeah. It's fine, but like it it was not was fine fun. at the moment. I'm here. I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was a good time. Yeah. Well, my character did die during that fight. So. Well, you're the DM, so like many characters you pilot have died over the course of this <laughs> campaign. Okay, true. Uh, yeah, much like that vampire, <laughs> Winston also comes to an untimely end in this fic. But before that, um, Harry's down there with his gun and he keeps holding it up, pointing it toward the barrels. And Winston's like, none of that. Like, put it down, put it down. Um, and the thrall is very, very present because he's the one that bit Harry. So there's like the scene where two or three times Harry picks up his gun and puts it down and it's just sitting in his lap and like he wants to yell but he doesn't want to give Winston the satisfaction so he's just like trying and trying and trying um, and earlier on in the fic there is a refrain I don't know if this is like a Dark Tower refrain or just like uh is it does someone know yeah 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 it's it's from um the books the oath yeah um, okay, yeah, so from from the books and also from this fic, there's a refrain that goes on that says, I do not aim with my hand. He who aims with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. He who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I shoot with my mind. I do not kill with my gun. He who kills with his gun has forgotten the face of his father. I kill with my heart. So that's... I have feelings about that. And <laughs> just so you know. Wow, um, what? I never saw that coming. Yeah, well, because at the end, the the other piece of it is that there's we get some lore on vampires in this world that a lot of like the stories about vampires are true. This is a pretty common thing in a lot of like fantasy fic, right? Where it's like, oh, no, that's fake. And it's like, well, stories come from somewhere. Um, I personally don't believe in vampires, but if I did, I might think maybe some of the lore about them would be true. Just, just so you know. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, yeah, anytime. Uh, so in this case, one of the pieces of lore that we get in addition to like stakes and fire and stuff is that an object of belief can be like very effective against a vampire. So we get all the way down to the very bottom of the fic after we've seen Harry kind of messing around with a bullet a million times in his hand throughout the fic. It's like one of his like little fidget things and also an implication that he has some kind of magic within him. So we get to the end and Harry finally, finally manages to pull the trigger. And he does so after messing around with this bullet and like thinking very, very deeply about the people that he loves and why he's doing this and why he needs to do this. And with that bullet instead of shooting the barrels, he shoots Winston through the heart. And that knocks him on his ass for long enough to Harry to shoot the barrels. And then <sighs> right as he's doing it, he says that he kills with his heart and also that it's not a waste. It's a sacrifice. And those lines have stuck with me for so many years. I think about this thing and my brain just in all caps starts going, he kills with his heart. <laughs> I like I can't it's so much it's so good it is the perfect character culmination of like everything that he's been through and fought for and wanted and finally it all comes to play in this moment of like perfect caw where he is making this choice and he's making this sacrifice and it was inevitable and exactly what it was supposed to be 
Well, something I didn't realize literally until Nick was talking right now is that um, because I also loved those lines where he says it's not a waste, it's a sacrifice. Um, I hadn't put together, but Harry has all these flashbacks to his mother, who was also a gunslinger, which is like huge and pivotal. And um, when she died, Harry's like teacher, um, the person who made him into a gunslinger who sucks, um, basically told him like your mother's life was a waste and her death was a waste. Like what was the purpose of it? Nothing was gained, blah, blah, blah. And Harry, like, didn't really believe it, but also did kind of internalize it because of, again, how horrible this man was and how horrible his training was. Um, And so as Winston keeps using the thrall to make Harry, like, not shoot the gun, he mentioned something about it being a waste of effort. Um, And so that it's not a waste, it's a sacrifice. Like, it's so much more than Harry. It's the echo of his mother and all of the teachings, because she was the one who drilled into him, I kill with my heart. And, like, what that meant beyond just sort of the gunslinger oath. Like, she was the one that was like, Harry, pay attention to this line. Like, think about what it means. And so the echo of that and the way that it hits so hard, oh, it's good. Yeah, like, same as Reed. Like, I was also thinking about sort of his flashbacks to his mom. And in particular, what we learn about the phrase, like, I kill with my heart. Because when we first heard the, like, gunslinger oath... I didn't really get it, like, to be honest. I was like, okay, like, that's that's something they're saying. Like, I don't know, you know, it gives off strong, like, fantasy novel vibes. Yeah. Like, you know, it's clearly, like, this creed these people are living by. But I was like, I don't really understand the implications of, like, I kill with my heart. Like, what do you mean by that? And then it's sort of these flashbacks in this conversation later on where you realize that it's, it's that because every time Harry or any other gunslinger, like, kills someone with their gun it is sort of giving up part of their soul as well. Like, they are killing with their heart in that, like, part of them is, like, kind of removed each time that they do this. Like, that it is a sacrifice every time they kill. Um, And so I thought that was kind of nicely echoed uh, at the end as well. Because it's something that, like, Harry has not been coping well with the fact that like he he's the one who had to shoot this this kid this teenager uh, who they came across. like, Zane couldn't do it, so Harry does it. And then ha- Harry's so mad at Zane for basically, like, quote, making Harry be the one to have to do it, to shoot this kid in the back. Um, and Harry just, like, can't cope with this. Uh, like, that's not, like, he did not, wa- like, he did not want to make that sacrifice. That's, like, not, it didn't feel, I think, correct. Like, it's not, it's, it's sort of, like, slowly poisoning him, this yeah. thing that he did. Uh, and so, the scene at the end where he like kind of is able to really like almost manifest the gunslinger oath in this other way i think kind of heals that moment um for him yeah another flashback that we get with his mom is when harry dislocated his shoulder Mm. and i was thinking a lot about that in the context of this scene as well where she tells him like Sometimes in order for something to heal and be better, there has to be more pain first because they have mm-hmm. to like relocate it basically or like set the bone or whatever it was. Um, and that made me think a lot about this scene too, where it's like this universe is broken and the things that they have done, they can't take back and there's no changing what has already happened. But maybe if Harry goes through this big sacrifice, if there is this pain that he has to go through then maybe in the next universe, things can be set to rights now that they've gone through this all together. Yeah, I mean, like, so much of this fic intrinsically is about trying to fix something. Um, 
if it whether that's fixing something that feels broken, like their cotet of the four or maybe five of them, uh, whether it's fixing a mistake. Niall is so uh, fixated on fixing this mistake of having let Winston through, like he's dead set on killing him and trying to right that wrong that he sees. Um, And like, kind of overall too, like there's this sense that like the universe and the world around them is is decaying, is dying. Um, And I think that kind of also contributes sometimes to this feeling of like desperately needing to fix something. And there's sort of like a quote early on that comes back like again and again um, about fixing it. Like one side is is what Nick mentioned, this line from his mom about like sometimes something has to hurt more, has to go, you have to go through worse pain uh, to be able to heal it. And then the other part is when they are at uh, Little Mix's like cabin, um, Harry goes outside to chop some wood. And like, honestly, he's not doing a very good job of it. Like he's really (laughs) struggling to chop this piece of wood. Um, And I I mean, in my notes, I literally wrote, ah, a metaphor, but like, (laughs) jokes on me because it came back to haunt me um but like perry comes out to kind of help him i guess uh and she tells him uh you'll want to use a wedge on those it's good wood but it's all twisted up at the middle you'll not get it to split by just brute force make one clean strike and drive a wedge in uh it will tell you itself where it's keen to split um and then he kind of is like ignoring her and keeps on just like hacking at this thing with his axe. Uh and then she says, Or hell, you can just keep knocking on it until you're exhausted. If that's what you're playing at, be my guest. There's more wood around the back of the shed if you want something easy. It'll split clean, but it's rotten at the center and near useless. Pick your poison. And like that juxtaposition between the good wood that has value, but takes effort and you can't go at it straight on and you can't use this blunt force and it's all twisted up in the middle and you have to work through that in a different way versus the wood that's easy to split and you can use it but it's rotten and it's poisonous and you won't be happy with it at the end uh is central to this whole fic and it comes back in a way at the end too that we can talk about but like I think that idea that like looking at something straight on isn't always going to tell you how to fix it is really central uh, to everything that Harry and Niall try and do in this fic. Brenna, it's funny that you said your notes are like, uh, metaphors, because my note for that scene literally was metaphors, baby. But then right underneath it, I put, actually, though, I really fucking love this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like good. I, I like my yeah. uh, metaphor was was not bad. But then I was like, <laughs> okay, this turned out even more so than like I expected with how it keeps like repeating to us. Oh, for sure. And like, um, I guess jumping to the very, very end, I had already loved that scene. And then um, so we mentioned that this is major character death, but it gets resolved, sort of. Um, So you have this huge climactic moment where Harry shoots the barrels and like dies. And then the scene right after it is the beginning of the scene where Harry goes out to chop wood and so much of the text is the same Um, and there are just these slight differences. Perry is out there like she was the one who gave him the advice and instead of the conversation going the exact same way it had gone the first time, she looks up and sees people coming over the hill and it's Niall and Zane arriving on horses. Um, But before before we get into that, um, I wanted to just talk about like one of the small changes between the scenes because the, the first time it happens... Perry mentions, like, oh, basically, like, travel by day and keep yourself safe at night. There's things that come out at night that are troublesome. And in the second iteration, this very last scene, it sort of reverses where she says, travel by night, keep yourself safe at day. Like, you guys are safe from the things that come out at night. Um, 
which is, I think, the, the biggest indication of, of the first switch. But there is a line in the next paragraph that really stood out to me. So in the original, it reads, Harry just nods and picks them all off the ground. He lifts it once more and takes a swing at the round, then presses his boot to the edge of the wood and uses it as leverage, wiggles them all until it comes free. And um, in the second iteration, there's one extra sentence in between uh, where it says, he lifts it once more and takes a swing at the round. It sinks in, but just barely. He can feel the knot at the center working against him. And I was so stuck on that because it's it's just one little extra line. But when you have this context of like this thing at the center and everything that Brenna just talked about, like there's so much loaded implication in those like two extra sentences. And I still don't feel like I've unraveled it all or I feel like I could sit and talk theories with you both about like what that means for so yeah. long. Um, but I just thought it was so clever. Like to me, almost more so than the switch at the end with Niall and Zane coming back. Like that is what stood out the most from this slightly changed scene. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I think it's actually having that line and then having Niall appear is kind of like the key of it all to me because before Harry like goes into the mine again to like face Winston and like we kind of know how it's gonna end (laughs) um he like Niall has been so fixated on on fixing this mistake right like he's the one who's like I I have to deal with Winston like it was my fault that he came through the thinny that he's here um and Harry basically tells him like I'll fix your mistake in this universe and like you have to help me fix mine um meaning harry's mistake was losing sight of what was important to him with his quartet of zane liam and louis um and and that fracturing and and going bad and i think the fact that it's when harry is working at this knot in the middle of this piece of wood that niall appears in this new universe is like that's Uh it baby (laughs) that's what it's about like that's him coming through on his promise to Harry right like yeah yeah anyway there's so much to it because in that same scene you're referencing Brenna when Harry's like I've got to fix your mistakes so you can go and fix mine at the very end of that bit Harry says I know and I'm sorry I know it's asking too much of you but you've got to go and do it again and that Mm -hmm. like Oh, because then a little yeah. bit later, yeah, well, a little bit later before he dies, uh, there's a part where it goes, a different Harry, but the same, living and breathing and making the same stupid mistakes in a world where nothing's really changed, but everything is different. A world without a Nile, one that's got space for him. He's got to believe it's out there, that Nile can find it, and that they'll all be okay. He imagines a river split in two, a river that bends back on itself, a river diverted by the roots of a tree, a new path carved by their love. And I think that was the moment where I was like, okay. My theory. Are you ready? Yeah. Nicole's, mm-hmm. Nicole's theory corner. Okay. I don't think it's going to be that different from yours, but this is where I'm at. We are going pure multiverse theory in the sense that there are infinite universes and that the differences between some of them can be minuscule. Like we're talking infinite, infinite. I'm not talking like a little, I'm talking big infinity. Turtles all the way down. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. True, 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 true. Yeah. So... To me, the idea is that Niall, who frequently is able to harness the energy of having a case of the thinnies, is moving in between different universes. I'm coining it. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I love this new thing of you, like, strong-arming pre-made jokes into our episodes. 
I well, really like, like it. Nick is also gunning for a title, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be the title. This episode will be named A Case of the Thinnies. The fun thing Mark is that I am the one who uploads our episodes, makes the titles in the descriptions. So, like. Yeah, that's why I said it confidently. So, when you're editing, you can listen to me mm-hmm. telling you. And then you'll be like, shoot, so true. We'll see. <laughs> I can't decide if it's funnier if it is or it isn't the title. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, the idea is that. This entire time, Niall has had some idea that this is going to happen, not because he's been in this world before, but because he's seen something tragic happen in every other world that he's seen them in, except for One Direction, our world, where he assumes that everything is fine until Harry is the one who is telling him Zane quits. I think at that moment, Niall's like, oh shit, he realizes they're potentially doomed in this world too. Because there's a lot of foreshadowing that Niall knows what's going to happen. Even though, like, how would he? So to me, the concept is not that Niall has done this specific kind of world jumping before, but that now that he has an idea of what's going to happen and that he's been able to talk to and connect with Harry enough to start understanding where it went wrong, he keeps his word, tries to fix Harry's mistake, and jumps into a very, very, very close world that has the best possible chance of them surviving. Read the most dangerous thing is the Harriers, who are like the bandits, and there's nothing at night like the vampires that are going to stop them. That's why that line is switched. Because in the beginning, they were like, oh yeah, like the Harrier is out during the day, no big deal. But in this world, they're the most dangerous thing, which means that there is potentially a chance for them to reconcile without Harry having to go through a big, massive sacrifice. And that is how I justify this fic having a happy ending. Thank you. Amen. I feel like I need to like clap, like. <laughs> That'll be good Thank audio. You. I have actually a lot more evidence, but I didn't want to keep talking. I have like a lot of lines pulled that I'm like, and this, and this, and this, and this. No, I think I'm like pretty much exactly with you. I think the only thing I kind of have in my mind that's like a little bit of an extra layer is like the the timeline aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. that I think there is a flexibility with the time too. And I think there is not just for Niall, but for the other boys as well, because they all have uh, this touch, this connection with the universe in some way, this ability to tap into Ka a little bit. Um, Niall has it the most, especially because he came, he's already come through the thinny, right? But Harry has now too. Harry's made this journey. So I think he's more connected to it than he realized. And I think that's why like, at the beginning of the wood chopping scenes, both the first one and the last one, um, Harry gets this sensation of like someone having walked over his grave. So like when we when Harry like shoots the barrels and then the scene changes and then it jumps back to basically a repetition of the wood chopping scene. Um it reads, he's broken a sweat, and for a moment there's something more in it. Something in the heat gathering at his middle. Something clawing at the back of his throat. A feeling of restriction, of being trapped. A terrible sense of doom. Everything's hot and claustrophobic suddenly. Like he's being crushed. Like he's burning up. He tugs at his jacket and throws it over the fence. And the night air is so cold on the bare skin of his arms, he's racked shivers. And this is the exact same line that like we got earlier. And it's also pretty much the sensation Harry gets when like Niall first shows him the thinny like it's the sensation of a thinning between the worlds and I kind of have like two thoughts about this one I think Niall might be able to find these points of where he can like interject himself and maybe change their timeline because of his connection with Harry that it kind of allows him to navigate through the like Todash space um and two also I kind of have a working theory that, like, the rest of this fic isn't the first time Niall has tried. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, I kept going because, back and forth on that. Like, 
I'm not sure, but like, why else would Harry in that other timeline also feel the yeah. thinning, you know? Because um, I think that's exactly what he is feeling. And Unless it's recursive. And these timelines are happening simultaneously. If that yeah, I mean, I think that's also really possible because I think like, I kind of read the thinning as not just between worlds, but like as there being a flexibility to time with it as yeah. as well. And like, I think there's definitely a connection between like the multiverse Harry's and between the multiverse Niles um, that like allows for this sort of navigation and change. And it's amazing. I also have something to say about like the kind of like bending of things, but I feel like I'm just talking and talking. So. Well, I mean, there's there's precedent for this flexibility in time because when Niall takes Harry to New York, they come back out and like they had only been in New York for like maybe half an hour tops. But when they come back out, like many hours have passed. And Harry's like, what is this? And Niall basically says like he's gotten much better at it now but when he first went in, he couldn't really control, like, there was one time that he went in and he thought he was only gone for, like, an hour or two and he missed a whole week um, back in this sort of, like, other universe. And so, I mean, in that way, we've, we've only seen time, I guess, stretched within, like, the world he's hopping into. Like, like we haven't seen time go backwards, but I don't think there's anything to say that it couldn't. Um, and especially mm. if you, I mean, I, in no way can my brain grasp, like, relative time of universe hopping and like how it might uh -huh. differ but i think it is very easy to imagine that a nile of one universe goes through a whole attempt at like saving harry and bringing the five together and doesn't make it and hops into a very very similar parallel universe and essentially goes backwards and gets to try again yeah. from a different point mm -hmm. like i i think that is very easily supported in the text even if it isn't like laid out as such yeah and like Something I was thinking about is, like, the way this fic uses, like, the metaphors of rivers and river bends to kind of create or, like, to illuminate kind of this action. Like, I think these moments where they're, they're experiencing, like, the thinny or, like, there is sort of this, like, thinning between worlds or, like, these moments where... um they are kind of, like, jumping between worlds or timelines or alternate universes or whatever, um, is kind of depicted not as, like, this sharp break or, like, this sharp, like, change in path, but as, like, a bend. And I think, like, the way it's handled in this fic is so good. And I literally went back through and, like, control searched the word bend in this <laughs> fic and, like, looked at all the times it appears because I think it's fascinating because, okay, I didn't really think about this until... One of you, Nick, pointed out the fact that, like, the town is called Riverbend, which, yeah. like, is very obvious, but, like, I just, my brain was not, like, counting that as, like, important until I, like, went back to it. But I think, like, there's a lot of depiction of a bend as, like, a changing point, um, but that you also, you're not eternally stuck on that bend, that the river straightens back out onto either the same or a new path like um and there's these two lines from sort of the beginning of the fic and then the end of the fic where like that happens and um like the the last one I think is part of what Nick read previously where Harry is kind of thinking before he shoots the barrels and he thinks about like a river that bends back on itself yeah. um but like also at the very beginning of the fic they're walking down the tr these train tracks like that's the path that they're they've been tasked with like making sure is clear um and he thinks uh 
The metal beams are so singular and solid, and they only ever move in one direction, just like the river that winds close and then bends away. Like the sun in the sky, the world moves on its axis, trendling along a decaying track, like a locomotive that's on the verge of breaking down. The lot of them just passengers. Um, And like, Uh not only is that fucking beautiful line, but like, I don't know, I just can't stop thinking about this sort of like this juxtaposition between like the predetermined line the line of the sun the line of these train tracks and then the line of the river that the water flows in this predetermined way by the path that the river takes but the water also changes the path that the river takes and it's so good well, and the and the sunlight is bent through glass and that the whole yeah. reason that they're going on this path is to prevent a blockage that is then creating a new path for them mm-hmm. like there's so there's so much to it and there's this whole other aspect, too, where um, part of the reason that Zane leaves is the moment where, like, Harry shoots this teenage boy. But there's another thing where they find this glass object and it's, like, kind of horrible. It's described as, like, a deep green ball of glass um, that Zane keeps looking into. And, like, Harry gets, a like, kind of a sense of foreboding from it. But Zane seems to almost fall into it. Like, there is some kind of pull there. And later... When Niall and Harry are by the river having a whole conversation, um, Niall talks about wizard glass and how it's a bend of the rainbow and how they're not evil per se, but there is a lot of energy there and that it has the capability to like show you so much more than what is beyond this one reality. Um, And there's that too. There's the deep green bend of the title is this thing that they found that Zane looks into that like Mm -hmm. Zane leaves with, but maybe comes back with at the end of the fic and it's also part of this like hugely pivotal conversation between Niall and Harry mm-hmm. and like everything just weaves together so brilliantly I was gonna say in that conversation where they're talking about like the wizard glass uh that that Zane has found uh Niall tells him look into the bend of the rainbow and look right back at you it's always trying to exact a price mm-hmm. and like Yes, that's so central. And, like, that comes back to, like, the sacrifice that Harry makes uh, in order to, like, shoot the barrels and kill Winston in order to fix Niles' mistake that he made. Um, And also, like, I think, like, that moment when Harry shoots the barrels can also be read as, like, a potentiality for another thinny to be created because it is this cataclysm and we know that that's how it happened. That, That it happens when someone who's in touch with, like, the caw of the universe goes through, like, a cataclysmic event of their own, like, internal origin. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just think it's amazing, like, the the idea that, like, there are these bends, but in order to, like, enact one, there has to be this sacrifice, there has to be this price that's paid in order to, like, get on the, onto a new path in order to try and fix something. Oh my gosh, I think we're coming up on time a little bit. I did have one other really important thing that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um... Because there are several One Direction references in this fic that made me extremely happy. Uh, They're pretty funny. Uh, But my favorite one is uh, right after Niall and Harry do the do. Uh, Can you say that any other way? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, gladly. Oh, Uh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's just going to be worse. Reed, why did you say that? Um, Yeah, right after Niall and Harry finish performing the HND. Um, <laughs> the what? The horizontal naked dance. Okay. I really thought you were going to go for like a metaphor like right after Niall and Harry finish like building a dresser because that's kind of usually what you oh, go sure. towards. But So 
right after Niall and Harry finish dessert, uh, <laughs> Niall says, <laughs> um, he says, has no one told you that before? Told me what? That you're beautiful. Um, Harry's internal narration. No, no one's ever told me that before. Well, you are. Okay. You don't believe me? And my brain the entire time was like, baby, you light up my world like nobody else. I was like, wow, he doesn't know he's beautiful. Anyway, I just really wanted to mention that. I completely did not catch that when I read it. And when you mentioned that in pre-discussion, I was so fucking delighted. Yeah. Yeah, God, I wrote myself a note, too, at one of the other ones where, like, Harry's talking about, honestly, the same idea of, like, the rivers and the car yeah. and, like, the destinations of the universe. And he says, you're moving along the same path in the same dirt. Christ, now laughs in an odd, unfathomable way. And I wrote, ha, 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 ha. But also, it cannot be planning to pull that twist on me, right? <laughs> and then I was a little fool. <laughs> oh, it sure was. It sure was. It was. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really. Like I knew we were. I knew at that point that we had accepted that the universe in which One Direction exists, or the multitude of universes in which One Direction exists, as we understand it, were were acknowledged in this fic. But like, I didn't expect them to just fucking go to one. <laughs> you gotta sometimes. I guess so. Uh, see it for yourself, baby. Well, I just my brain was thinking about. Uh, the edit that is like, you're insecure, you're insecure, just on loop. And then I started thinking about <laughs> what makes you haha.mp3. So what makes yeah. you haha is a classic. That's just in my brain now. One of the most iconic like yeah. things on the internet. I agree. Wow. Okay, everyone. Hey, thanks for joining us <laughs> uh, for this conversation of truly one of my favorite fix ever, ever. Uh, it was such a joy to get to come back to it and read it again, finally to have an excuse to do so and know that I would have people to scream with. Um, this has been our discussion of The River and the Deep Green Bend by Liquid Measure, and it is just so special. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as we enjoyed talking about it. As always, thank you for tuning in to this episode of FitClick. Uh, if you enjoyed it and want to connect with us on other platforms, you can find us on social media at FitClick on Twitter and Tumblr. We also have a lovely Discord server where everyone chats about Fic, FicRex, um, all kinds of media that they're enjoying. Uh, you can find the link to that um, on our Twitter as well. We'd love to see you there. If you would like to communicate with us via digital letter, you can email us at fitclickpod at gmail.com and expect a response eventually from us <laughs> at some point, guaranteed. <laughs> uh, we'd love to talk to you in that way. Uh, we also have merch. So if you're interested in getting yourself some really sick FitClick merch designed by Brenna, then you should check out our Redbubble linked on our Twitter. It is really cute. Highly recommend. I love the stickers personally, but there's like all kinds of great stuff that you can get. So I'm just saying if you are interested in helping us grow as a pod, you are always encouraged and welcome to leave us a review on whatever podcasting app you listen on that allows it. Uh, if you want to, you know, spread the word, tell your friends, make, make a tweet, tumble about us. Lots of exciting options. And we would love for new folks to get to know us as well. 
one other thing that we wanted to talk about was our upcoming fic brunch. So later this month, we are going to be hosting a brunch as we do every once in a while. It's our third fic brunch. So we're super excited about that, uh, where we all get together on Zoom. People just participate to the extent that they're comfortable and chat about a fic, much like we do on the show. So the fic that we're going to be discussing is a Marvel fic. It is How to Lose a Super Soldier in One Easy Step by Jibrailis and and underscore back again. It is a stony fic because on this pod we are stony till we die, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's a Pushing Daisies AU, so I haven't read it yet, but I'm super excited to. We run fic brunch out of our Discord server, so feel free to come join us there and get involved. I have not read this fic yet, but I am familiar with one of the authors. Like, not personally, just I've read a lot of their fic, and so I'm so excited about this. Oh, yeah, it's happening on February 13th at 10 a.m. PST. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Helpful to know. For our next episode, we are back to our standard format, just three fix from each of us, no theme, no anything, back to the basics. Uh, Nick, what have you picked for next time? My fic for next episode is called Sacrifice by The Devil Chicken, and it is a fic for the fandom Genghis Khan music video. Hell yeah. And I'm extremely excited. Yeah, it's a fun one. Uh, Brenna, what are you bringing for next up? All right, so my fic for next F is called Land's End by Janissa Eleven. Uh, it is a supernatural fic, um, but it is a Gen like Dean character study that's also a fusion with Deadliest Catch. So <laughs> get hyped! <I'm> <laughs> Reed, so what's hyped. yours? My fic is Mercy is a Shade of Blue by Birdcat. It is a haiku fic. We're back to my volleyball boys. Oh, I love them dearly. Um, this is an Uwaizumi Oikawa fic. Um, I actually found this through our rec exchange doc. A ficlet had wrecked it to someone. Um, so I'm so, so excited to talk about it. You can look forward to discussions on those fics in our next episode coming out February 19th. We hope you'll tune in. Bye! Bye.